1: Live from Manchester, New Hampshire, with election coverage. I'm John Manuel, along with JJ Cooper. No, I'm sorry, we're not in New Hampshire. We're in Newark. at uh, caucus, we're at caucus. We flew into Newark, getting ready to record our uh, top 50 prospect show for MLB Network um, on the eve of the uh, New Hampshire primary. The prospect show, top 50 prospect show for Baseball America, airs Friday, February 12th, 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, on MLB Network, it will re air. Actually, I have the entire schedule here, JJ. So well, I, I'll, I'll drag that out here so that people have the entire re air schedule. It's our third year doing this top 50 show. Very pleased to be part of it. Um, the Thrill. top 100 drops uh, after the show. We will build up with uh, redone top 10 prospects, reordered, um, unfrozen from their amber when they go online. Updated through uh, here the first week of February, organization talent rankings, and then we will have, uh, of course, the top uh, 51 to 100 counting down on Friday afternoon and then uh, 1 to 50 that night on MLB Network working along with Greg Amsinger and uh, Bill Ripken, which are pretty excited about that, J.J., our third time. Our third different co-host, Bill Ripken's got a very high standard to live up to and John Hart and Ron Darling the last two years. That, those have been, that, that's a very high standard. And Greg Amsinger is a,
0: uh, is a, a constant in our... Uh,
1: we'll just say that Greg Amsinger would never be accused by Donald Trump of being low energy. No, that would never happen.
0: I like working with Greg. Yeah, Greg I, is,
1: he, he is the Donald Trump's approved uh, host of the Baseball America Top 50 Prospects show. But we wanted to take off the podcast talking about one guy who won't be, to my knowledge on the Top 50 Prospects pod, uh, show, but although I bet we, that we, we talk promise. about him.
0: We can't promise that it won't be, because, you know, I bet
1: we talk about Uleski Gurriel. He's technically
0: not unblocked yet, so, or what do they call it? Yeah, now? he's not eligible not yet. Not cleared, so... Right. We can argue that, you know, with that, that, but yes, we will probably will talk about him, but uh, it's a stunning... I, I would say, as someone, you follow followed Cuban baseball even longer than I have, but we both followed Cuban baseball for years and years and years and years. Yes. And... I can, I know another way to put it is, is I guess it's not anyone you could say is a stunning development when someone leaves Cuba now. But if there was someone who was going to be a stunning development, it would be Mulesky-Goriel.
1: Yeah, and that's the guy who, you know, really for him to leave Cuba, you had to either see Cuba's economy completely fall apart with no client state to prop it up anymore which, Which is true check, in Venezuela. Um, the last I was going to say, they
0: had a client state before that, yeah, I can't afford you anymore. Their last option
1: was uh, Venezuela. was more broke than them. Uh, hard to believe, but, <laughs> but true. yes. Um, and then uh, a combination of that, and we have to get into politics because it is part of it. An American administration that was willing to open things up. That was not going to happen under certain presidents of either stripe, of either party, Clearly, Barack Obama is that guy who did that, who opened but, things up. But the and other thing is—that's is part of
0: it. But, but I will, but and take it a different way though, which also is, is that there is, and we, the reason we say we should back up. The reason we say this is a shocking development, which is kind of amazing considering how many players have come from Cuba, you know, in the last really the last five years. The last five years it has become a torrent, a flood, call it whatever you right. want, but it is a—I mean, it's. I'll put it this way. It's enough that I would argue it has made a
1: significant difference in the overall talent level of the, in the game. major leagues, yeah, absolutely. No, there's no doubt. I mean, it, it was a trickle. But when, when Uleski Guriel first burst on the scene in Cuba, it was 2003 at the national team level. He'd been a junior national team star in 2001, 2002. I'm sure I can actually, I will try to find this while we're talking. I hadn't even meant to look this up. But the infamous game where Kenny Morales pitched against Scott Casimir in 2001, I'm pretty sure Guriel was on that team in the 18U back then as well for Cuba. But This guy's been a big deal in Cuba nationally since he was 17, 16 years old. And then before that, his father, Lourdes Sr., was a significant player. Now Lourdes Jr. is also left.
0: And this is why this is so significant is that if there was someone, if there was anyone on the Cuban national team who you would think was not going to leave until there was just the point where they said, hey, it's state sanctioned for everyone to leave. Right. It would be the Goriels because of their father's very close ties in the government. That was right. always been the, the, the... He's always been considered by scouts the player in Cuba who we, who was not going to come to the states. Yeah, he
1: was... A, the dad was a member of the party and it just wasn't expected that um, the Suns would ever leave Cuba. But certainly as Ben Battler has written, and Ben's in the Dominican Republic today or else he'd be on this podcast. Um, when you go back through um, the history of you know, what Ben's written about the Guriel brothers, it's been evolving in the last couple of years. JJ has more and more players as it's been a flood. It was a trick early. So like when Kendrick Morales, who was Gurriel's teammate on the junior national team in Cuba, when he left, made the major leagues in what 2006, but prior to that, 2003, four, even I think 2005 World Cup. I think Kenny Morales. That was that World Cup was played, if memory serves, in the Netherlands, and I believe that Kenny Morales was on that team for Cuba. If it wasn't O five, he, I know he was the hero of the O three World Cup that was played <laughs> in Cuba. Gurriel was on that team. That was their first time on the senior national team together. At that time, Kendrys Morales was thought of as the better player because he pitched mm-hmm. and hit. Yeah, he was a two way. He was yeah, he, now he's he, at the age, but then he right. was a two way star, and he had more power. Um, yeah, so here's that 2001 U.S. national team that had. We should ask our man Jeremy Sowers about that. He was on that national team. Uh, he probably faced um, Guriel in the junior nationals. <laughs> it's a small world. Um, but then Guriel really became the stalwart of the Cuban national team, really starting in 2005, and for a decade. But toward the end of that run, as uh, you know, other players, whether it was Jose Abreu who was coming to the United States, Alexi Ramirez before him, and then the flood the last few years, Aroldis Chapman, all these other players, he was kind of the last man standing. And, uh, and at least Alfredo Despaigne would go play in Mexico for a season under a crazy well, visa. He'd go play in Japan. Goriel did it for half a season, JJ, and then didn't even, didn't even report last year. Did not report last year. And that was when Ben started to revise Exactly, hey, that's Ben's hey, antenna went up.
0: Wait a second here, this is, but it has to be tough nowadays. Even the, quote, liberalization of the policy that allows a Cuban to go abroad and play in Japan or Mexico, which has gone away now. Mexico's kind of, that door's been closed largely. Or the U.S. and Canada and the Can-Am League, which, unfortunately, the Can-Am League, not a big paycheck there.
1: Um, Um, And that's where the Cuban national team is in such dire straits Talent-wise, I think, and financially, that is going to be in the Can-Am League Two weeks, three weeks, two, yes, and it's going to count as part of the season. Just you know, but these are things that we couldn't imagine 10, 15 years ago with Cuban I would not baseball. Imagine. Oh, Pedro Lazo
0: is coming in. He's you know got a big match to you know tonight against Quebec, uh, right? The, Capitale. the Capitales. <laughs> you know, but um, but the thing, yes, it, really, what it comes down to is, is we are seeing at this point. I, I cannot imagine. If you're in Cuba and you're you live and breathe Cuban Serie Nacional baseball, you, this has been a talent dilution unlike anything. This is basically, in many ways, I don't want to over dramatize it, but it's it's watching it's watching the Negro leagues in the mid '50s.
1: I think that's really fair. Early early like early '50s when like there was no one left behind, basically. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have to imagine it's very similar feeling in Cuba. I I don't see why not. It's like the same cars, <laughs> and they're driving in the same era. It really is. It's, it's the top talent gets skimmed off every year. Doesn't when you think there isn't any more. There's more, but at some point but, that well has to run dry.
0: But if you're the Goriels,
1: and something you, is being lost. If
0: you're the Goriels, the big thing that comes back to us is even with the liberalized policies, like hey, you go to Japan and make some money, mm-hmm. but you're not making nearly. Nearly. Right. Nearly the money like wait, Hector Oliveira? I'm 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 as good as Hector Oliveira. I'm, I'm actually mean, I'm way better betting, than I'm Hector. I'm better than Hector Oliveira. Right. And Hector Oliveira just got a check for six wait, he got sixty something. Wait.
1: $62 million with one check for twenty eight million dollars. And he can't throw. <laughs> and and you have to at
0: that point say, Why am I not doing this?
1: I think mean, that's really what it came down to for Guriel, I think it's very not coincidental that as soon as Oliveira came got to the United States finally, and got paid the way he got paid, that that's when Guriel said, "This can't stand." You know, that's to and me, that's the ultimate. And part the other of part this.
0: of it, I would also say, is is that the clock was is very much ticking here because yeah, he's 31 years old. Soon he'll turn 32 right. during the season. Right, and we've seen the moment that you. Make your intentions known. It can take months to get from there to signed, and you're able to play. And I mean, Hector Oliveira was going through this last off season, and we're really going into 2016 saying, "I know he had some, or some kickoffs." He had more night. downtime, too. But, <laughs> but still,
1: he he had but downtime, but still, I, it, the more downtime, I and mean, the, the guy, just think about, I mean, an older player. But A Rod was out for a year and a half. And what he did last year, no one thought he would do that. And let's face it, these guys are not as talented as Al Rodriguez. No. So it, it's going to take. I, I and agree that the, the biological clock was significant in Guriel's decision. He's going to well. be effectively a 30. He is going to be. It's not effectively.
0: Yeah. He'll be a 32 year old rookie, which the last, again, to make the analogies, the, last, the only kind of true analogies that really are. Uh, a few Japanese league players, you know, coming over. Kenji Jojima. And, and going back, then you also had in the late 40s and the 50s, and when you had the integration of the game, and you had 32-year-old rookies. But The, that older, is the oldest
1: rookies of the year, according to Wikipedia, are Sam Jethro and Kazuhiro Sasaki. Negro leaguer, exactly. Japanese major leaguer, exactly what you're talking about.
0: And so, but and it is going to be interesting when it comes to the, your Yuleski's. Contract is that okay? Udeski, excuse me. No,
1: Uleski. Yes, I'm getting my. is the older brother. Yes, Ulesky
0: is the older brother who played in the can Correct. But, but Uleski, when it comes to this contract, in that you're not looking here. This is his payday. There's a lot of these contracts for slightly, even slightly, but for younger Cubans, are crafted in a way you hit free agency early or. You get paid we're buying out some of years arbitration now right. but we're paying more like for, chapman did right you're what you're looking at for Goriel l here is is that this is the contract right. i'm not saying he won't have a second one but by the by the just the rules of how f- normal free agency works he won't be hitting a second contract if with any sort of significant not Unlikely. that's right he'll it's be a 36 likely. 37 38 even if they give him free agency early
1: you're not getting a big contract that way.
0: This is his contract.
1: Let's talk a little bit about him as a player. I know we've been yeah. a little scatter on him because he's he's just very interesting. Um, so you have a player here who, I, I, I don't even know what his closest comp is in the big leagues. I used to say Evan Longoria because there's a physical resemblance, the stance is somewhat similar as well. Gurriel's got a little bit bigger. I love reading Ben scouting report from the Premier 12 where it's like, scouts really notice Uleski Gurriel running hard at the Premier 12. And, he was giving you average or above average times to first. He was just disinterested before. So you're talking about a guy who, even at 31, pushing 32, still by far the best player in a Cuban league, which is again the talent level there is so bad. How bad is it? Gurriel was hitting 494, 586, 861. These are numbers. That's, that he what, was that's the
0: numbers you heard in 1880.
1: Right. And- this was 215, 215 plate appearances. So it's a small sample. But 24—that's like better than Pat Burrell. in his freshman year now when the bats were nuclear. <laughs> I mean, like Pat, Bur- Pat Burrell had 484 that year with 20 home runs. Right, and what we see now—he's doing. He's performing at that high of a level. I mean, it's—that's uh, the only context I can think of uh, that's no, no, close to that. You have,
0: th- read off the the strikeout stat. That's the one. Thing. Oh yeah,
1: 37 walks and two strikeouts. The that two the strikeouts.
0: The two strikeouts to me is is when, it's like okay. I, I understand why he's looked disinterested. I understand that. That's better he's than Bonds. He's bored by the league. It's like, ah, they, there's just no way that someone's going to get a ball by me if I don't want them to.
1: I guess it's not really better than Bonds because the power is just... It's up no. only an 861 slant percentage. I think Barry was 869, 863, something But like that, that is... So. No, That overall it's that year is,
0: is in that... you know, It's a better overall offensive production than Bonds did. That's, right,
1: and he's playing third base. And by all accounts... A good third baseman, a little erratic, more errors than you would see, but an average to above average arm, average to above average agility. But this is an offensive player. This is the report we had in 2006. And I just uh, was texting earlier in the day with a uh, scout I know who contributed to that story 10 years ago. And he's like, from our understanding, very similar player, you know, but older, thicker. Less athletic, early career, played some shortstop. I mean, this is That's it is gonna be Gurriel sad now.
0: in some ways. I mean you can call it sad if you want, like depend but the reality of this is that we're not gonna see the best the best of Goriel. we the Correct. best of Goriel is gone played in Cuba.
1: That's right. And
0: uh, played a little bored and
1: disinterested
0: in Cuba, to be honest.
1: Yeah, and especially in the international competition was was the same way. Um, but so now you're looking at a player who um, is gonna to come to the United States and if he plays in 2016, J.J., I think it's reasonable to expect. He's going to be an above-average offensive player. I don't think he's Jose Abreu the that part. impact because he's not that young. But I don't think he'd be that far off. Probably higher batting average, less power.
0: But here's the crazy part of this, which is, depending on how this goes, because we don't know when that contract's going to be cleared, right. that could be very, very good for his bank account because – what it does mean is, is let's say that this happens in May, or it happens in June, which right. is not outlandish. No, it's not. Considering that we're sitting here in February, you know, and the process is starting, but there are not players like this, of this talent, who become available for nothing but money. Right. No strings attached, you're not giving up a draft pick, you're not paying a penalty, it's just He's beyond the bonus
1: pools. That's right.
0: Cut a check. Here's your player. Those players do not become available during the season. Imagine if if he's available, again, I'm being completely speculative here, but imagine if he becomes available in July. Oh, yeah, by the way, you can make a trade for this guy over here, and you can trade a prospect. Or you can add Goriel just for costing a lot of money.
1: It's really hard to believe that um, he would not command... In my mind, well more than uh, what Oliveri got, he's a significantly better player. I know there might be some buyer's remorse on because of what happened with Oliveira and how that's not worked out to this point. Um, but to be Guriel is a significantly better athlete and player when they were contemporaries in and Cuba. And if you might make point, guy.
0: should be able to contribute right away in a way that he doesn't have his elbow they're, injury. They're, doesn't have an elbow injury, and also he is coming off of he was just playing. Right The rust should be Significantly less here Than it is often With Cuban players Who often It's been a year Since they've last played
1: And that's not the case uh, And Gouriel's also Cateria. played
0: I mean Again It's a minor thing But playing even a half year In Japan Does prep him a little bit For There's also With Cuban players There's always An understandable right. Significant adjustment To a different culture The different way The game's played He's played in Japan Right. That's an adjustment to a different culture.
1: This, that, uh, this is a small aside, but you don't mention the Japan thing. That's the, the last Cuban... Now that the Guriels are gone, the last Cuban guy I really want to see in professional baseball is Alfredo Despagne. Because we've heard so much about him. Like 2007, eight, nine, basically, you go back to that period of Cuban baseball where Abreu, Cespedes... I may be going back too far, but where Yohana Cespedes, uh, Jose Abreu... And Alfredo Despina every year would trade back and forth the national home labor. run championship, yeah, which would be like close to forty home runs in a ninety-game season. And uh, you know, Despina is the last guy, and he has such sick power, and he's such a unique guy physically. What is he five foot nine, like two hundred and twenty pounds? He's, he's an unusual.
0: Uh, very it's, hard unusual to, it's hard to get a whole lot of physical cops.
1: Very short, very thick. I mean, basically, he's like Hack Wilson, you know. <laughs> like that's really that's the comp because he's played some center field in his time. I mean, that's, that's the comp for me is Hack Wilson. And Ben laughed as much as you did when uh, when I made that comp to him. But um, but Guriel, you know, is a I've always got more like Kirby
0: Puckett just for body type because that's like someone in the you know. I'm
1: going cross race with JJ. But <laughs> I'm like someone who played in the last seventy-five right. years <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's probably a better comp. But but Guriel is this? It prompted one debate even in our office today. Where would he rank on a top 100? And for me, he'd be a top 50 prospect, easy. Oh, I, I agree. And, and, and I well, guess we, was, have, we look at him,
0: we do it look a at him th- a different perspective. It was a
1: philosophical question. Whereas I'm really looking at a top 100 prospect list for what that player is going to do three to five years down the line. That's how I'm looking at. Or it. Or in the next three to
0: five years, really. Yes. Yeah.
1: Right. What production are you going to see in that three to five year window? I'm not looking for what they're going to do 10 to 15 years down the line. See,
0: I'm looking at it. I do look at it from the perspective of, okay, an 18-year-old, a 19-year-old who could be exceptional. I'm asking it more of, I'm looking at it. Yes, I'm not a GM. So I'm looking at it saying, what is he going to do in his first six years of the major? But in
1: the, right, but, in the, but that may come three to nine years right. down the line. So that's why... For me, the first players I looked at on our top 100 list without giving away where they rank are guys like Anderson Espinoza with the Red Sox, Victor Robles of the Nationals. These are two of the younger players, less experienced, not full season time in our top 100 list who are ranked fairly highly. For me, the next three to five years, I think I'd take Espinosa because I think he has significant upside. I don't think he'll be in the minor leagues much more than a year or two. If you believe in him, you believe that pitchers who have it don't spend time in the minor leagues. That's where I think Anderson Espinosa is. Okay, well, uh,
0: yeah, because again... I think 26- if if 2016... If he's as good as... To, to go on... Cause I love going on Anderson yes. Espinosa's tangents. But to go on Espinosa's tangents, again, not covering where he is in the... He ranks in the top 100. Yeah. Shocker. Safely. But, if he's as good as we think he is... and Now again, teams are going to try to limit innings. But that being said, you get nothing... If he's as good as we think he is when he goes to low A this year, yeah. he he should run out of getting there being things for him to do in low A very quickly. Correct. Because it's going to be like, the question I've heard many, uh, you know, many of farm directors say, the question they ask is, they have these different, depending on the team, though, is he commanding the fastball, those right. things. But really what it comes down to in the end is, is there still stuff he could learn there? Right. And I don't think Fanderson Espinoza Espinosa... Julio Urias has run the same questions. Yep. Where, no, there's not.
1: I think mean, the main thing Anderson Espinoza has to prove to me in 2016 is just can you throw six innings in a game? He hasn't thrown five yet in right. a in a game in the United States. So where we have him ranked is very bullish for a guy who's not thrown five innings of in a game yet. But and Julio
0: Urias has also been on very absolutely, tight. and he. So and that, I understand why, but it is it's a conundrum,
1: and to, and, and it is with Anderson Espinoza and. The days of, one of the other things we've done in this issue is look back at old top hundreds, and there was one year where we did not rank any St. Louis Cardinals, JJ, and we should have because Dan Heron was the number one prospect. You know how many innings Dan Heron threw that year when he was their number one prospect? I'm going to
0: say 191.
1: 193, I believe, is the correct answer. According to Matt Eddie. it was 193. Um, of course, I could look that up. <laughs> I probably should do that. No, that was just... <laughs> But I mean, well, not, but, I like being only two off. That's right. But I mean, this is uh, this is a different era that we're in now. Very different era. No <laughs> one. I don't think. No any, actually, I don't
0: think anyone threw one ninety one last year.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, how, how many big leaguers did? I mean, I'm, I know there were some, but it was probably a handful, a clutch. It's just not. Yeah, it's just, uh, no minor leaguers probably throw more than one hundred and sixty. Um, it's it's a 160, 170 usually is around the, the, the leaders.
0: One ninety two 193.
1: 193 and two thirds innings for Danny Heron that year, and we didn't rank him in the top hundred even though he had 1.4 walks per nine, and even though I loved him in college at Pepperdine, we were just we real slight on Dan Heron. But the point is, is that back then we didn't rank the guy almost like he was too vanilla. Now this is a guy who's so exciting, but you want to see him in 2016. But, do you know pitch some innings? So that's the thing. For me, if he has a successful, healthy 2016. By the middle, end of 2017, he's going to be in the big leagues. So that's why he may have, over the next three to five years, as much or more major league value than a Uleski Guriel. Whereas a guy like Victor Robles, who is extremely talented, but is an outfielder ultimately, not as impactful to me. I don't see as much star potential for him in the next three years. He's going to need more time in the minor leagues. Oh, yeah. And then his next three. He's he's probably four years away from. About three years from now, he could still be in the minor leagues. And. Uleski Guriel theoretically played all three of those seasons as an above average regular in the major leagues. So for me, he so has but, more well, that's value. But to, again, to, to, to delve into this point, then
0: that would be an argument that you really you, you are very much on drafting. You'd be very much on drafting college players.
1: No, not necessarily. It all depends on your situation as a because, organization, if you're if you draft, an organization. If you
0: draft a high school pitcher, you often are talking that, you know, okay, well, that guy's not going to help us for four to five years.
1: Right, that's fine. I, I, if I was picking single digits, I would not be taking a high school pitcher unless he really, really stood out. Oh, this is right. how, And this is how Clayton Kershaw fell to the seventh pick of the draft. Because there are a lot of teams that think that way. It's reasonable to think that way. And in the 2006 draft... For every Clayton Kershaw, there are... Right, but in the 2006 draft, there were teams that said, okay, well, we definitely think Andrew Miller is better. We definitely think Tim Lincecum is better. Maybe they didn't. We definitely think Max Scherzer could be better. We definitely think... Uh, Brad Lincoln could be better. Sometimes they were right. Sometimes they were close. I mean, Max Scherzer was close to better. I wouldn't say Tim Lincecum at his peak was as good as Pete Kershaw. His peak didn't last very long. As the guy who drafted Kershaw, to uh, Logan White, told me, hey, look, you could drive that Volkswagen cross country back and forth a few times and it'll get you there. But wouldn't you feel more uh, secure doing that if you had to do that in a Cadillac? And regardless of the German versus American engineering, his point was the big car, you'd rather do that in the big car than in the small car. He chose the big car, Clayton Kershaw. It worked out pretty well. That said, Tim Tim Lincecum, three World Series rings, I believe. Clayton Kershaw, zero. So Giants fans are satisfied with that as well. Uh, That's quite the digression. The point is, I do think when I'm ranking a prospect list, I do think present or value close to the major leagues we reflect it all the time. If you have success at the upper, mage, at the upper levels of the minors, okay, and that. you have high ceiling talent, you get ranked with the top of the top 100. That describes Uleski Guriel to me. So, I mean, but he's I guess, clearly to the extreme end of that, but I, guess really well, I don't I'll think come it mitigates it too much. I'll ask,
0: and I think we have a little bit of a difference of how we view this. When do you think the tailing off hits for Goriel?
1: I don't know. I still know. I mean, I, I'm not as hard and fast on it as Matt Eddy in the office is, where he says, "Well, at 35, he's done." I don't necessarily agree with that. So
0: I don't agree that you're up, but it is, it is become it is becoming much, it, much, much, much it more is. difficult to do it much beyond that. And if that's the case,
1: that's the, that's the question. Also, is that he has to adjust the number one thing I've said this on a million podcasts. The number one adjustment is the grind. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to – this is not Eric Neitz's grind. This is the grind. Uh, this is 160 games. And I guess the thing is, if you're investing that much money in Uleski Gurriel, you kind of have to have someone else to caddy for him. Because really, I don't think you probably can expect him to play, especially in his first year. First if you want to get the maximum investment, you better have another third baseman so them. he can play 100, 120 games. And maybe you want to have an American League team where he might value. they might value him more. Because they can play maybe a hundred games at third base and forty at DH, and still spread in some days off. Because otherwise, I do think you'll tax him.
0: Especially, he's a thirty-one, thirty-two-year-old right. He's, a 32 year old who's he's a, also just played a half season of Serie Nationale. Now I know that there are guys who play winter ball too. Right. But he's coming off of in that first year. He is, he's coming off of essentially having just played the majority of his season.
1: It really is. It's hard. And to now be, he's got
0: to work out. It's not like that. This is going to be the siesta before he signs because right now, yeah, he'll be working. It is out. the okay. Work out as hard as you've ever worked out because he'll be on the Ioannis
1: Esposito training plan. So we'll look for the we'll look for the YouTube video sooner than later with Guriel. And again, Best shape been, of his life. But the other thing
0: about it is, is that we have seen the good news for him is, is that we have seen a number of Cuban players who have made very, very quick adjustments to the U.S. game.
1: Abreu is the one who, uh, from, among hitters, who just jumps out.
0: Jumps out. But Cespedes did also hit, had a, a pretty quick adjustment.
1: He did, but I mean, he's also a limited limited player yeah. offensively. He's oh, yeah. a boomer bust player and doesn't draw a lot of walks. He's Very very consistent about that. I mean, honestly, Cespedes to me is more of like a five hole hitter. Abreu is like a three or four hole hitter. You're hoping Guriel is closer to the Abreu model, but. But
0: what I was saying though is is that but if he does have an adjustment period again, I, I would think that again a, a team who signs him for significant money this year part of why you are doing that is is that it could be a team that's not a contention this year. But most of the teams I think of that I would think of would be in the would be teams that would be talking about this are teams who will be in contention and who that one of the selling points is is again adding available and I, by free talent I mean talent that doesn't. Cost you players or draft picks? Right. Who can help you right away? That's
1: JJ. That's what... Who's the team that makes the most sense for you Gradel? Yeah. I can tell you right off the bat. To me, the number one team that should be interested in him is the Angels. They've had yes. a bad off season. Yes. They see themselves as a contender. I know they're very right-handed. Doesn't matter. They had David Freeze at third base last year. This guy would be a significant upgrade. Hey, let's,
0: if we're t- if if we are doing this funeral pyre where we are going to eventually just head over the cliff. Correct. Let's just let's all head over the cliff together. And you
1: don't give up a first round pick, like you said. I mean, this is exactly the kind hey, of guy. It's you've had, sure, but you know what? And you've had our success, team's
0: going to be really heading off the cliff when Trout hits free
1: agency anyway. Right. And you've had success with Kenneth Morales in the past. It was a long time ago, but as the same manager. Um, I have to imagine he's an
0: upgrade for them.
1: Yeah, and I have to imagine that he. That that to me, if Billy Epler, the new general manager there, does not already know that you've already got Unel Escobar, another Cubano, around. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> seeing how many times uh, you Unel Escobar is like a secret that's been passed around. <laughs> um, your other competition for third base apparently are just Kyle Kubitza and. Uh, uh, I guess they just acquired Jeffrey Marte, who plays a little third base, uh, say, and Caleb Coward, Your man, your main man. You love Caleb no, Catward.
0: no, but uh, and <laughs> if they do have the Roberto Valdequinn uh, aftertaste, uh, that may uh, dissuade, not on the forty man roster. I know, right? but may dissuade. Uh, that that hasn't gone so well. Um, no,
1: it has not. That's possible. But the, to me, he that's the number. That would be the number one destination. The, the funny
0: one is is that I I don't mean this humorous, but just because the Dodgers sign all the Cuban players. <laughs> I don't know where he fits for them, but Don't think about that's that later. Okay. <laughs> that's don't okay. worry about that later. I didn't know where Hector Oliveira fit with them. That didn't matter. They, they sign him, and then they, that all sorts itself out.
1: You're just an asset at that point. Uh, Dave Roberts, I'm sure, would, would figure out some way to smile about it uh, hey. for having him on the roster. You know. But, I mean, to be the the Angels are the best fit. I mean, you always wonder about the Nationals. I don't know if they need a third baseman, but they just have money to the spend. The interesting thing is like, the
0: Yankees seem like they're very focused on – I think he would be a good fit for the Yankees, but I think that they're a team that's focused on not
1: right. adding to
0: payroll, so
1: kind of take them out. Focused on the uh, Bryce Harper future, which I think uh, – I guess Jeff Passon wrote that, and I think Jeff made a lot of good points um, on what, their what offseason. About, what
0: about a, a team that's kind of a, a – a major, uh, a a big revenue team or, or acts like it a lot. I don't know if they have the position. No, they don't have the position fit. Their two best players play the positions he plays. I was going to say the Mariners.
1: Right. Well, that's the yeah. They have. I, I looked at them as well, but they. But I thought to myself, yeah, they, they have a hundred billion dollars committed to Kyle Seager and two hundred billion dollars right. so committed that's, to, that's to Robbie really, Cano. that's not really a good option. And they're and they're occupied of DH as well with uh, NC Boomstick. Um, I suppose they could try to play him at first base some with Adam Lynn that again, they just picked up. Again, the thing that's are, not the point. Like,
0: that's not why you get him. Uh, again, the Red Sox don't make a whole lot of sense just because they they are still kind of stuck at uh, <laughs> third base in the short term. Unless um, in, in I mean, you, you can't not you, you you have to give Sandoval. Maybe again, depends on when he becomes available. If they get to mid season and right. Pablo Sandoval has officially shown in every way possible that he's done. Right. Third base is one position that they're not as stacked at as they are at a lot of positions.
1: It, it, suffice it to say, these are all contending teams, and to me it doesn't make sense for a non-contending team. So there's like, so cross-off not the not contending,
0: <laughs> If you're not contending, your window better start in 18. What or about, 17. 17, I mean, right. say 17.
1: What about like a team like the Giants, which has had again, a very prolific spending offseason season they got an amazing year last year from Matt Duffy. Matt Duffy does have the athletic ability to move around. I mean, Well, the problem has, is where would you move him? Well, Joe Panik hasn't shown you can play him full major league season yet. He's been a big leaver for parts of two years and has not played a full season yet. So that, that's one option. I mean, you certainly could have him as this super utility player. And I just saw today that Brandon Belt has not signed a contract extension. So, again, first the, base could wind up being an option down the line.
0: The wild card also is that
1: they I mean, spent a lot of money this offseason. Are we,
0: are we now just reaching the point where the, Mar- the Marlins have one of those rare moments where they go, ah, we're going to spend some money. He's a Cuban, you know, let's...
1: That's a wild card as well. I mean, that, that could be a they wild can use card them. as well. But to be the well, Angels... They're not contending, no. The Angels make so much sense. It's, it's a perfect fit in a lot of ways to me. You know, Escobar can play other positions. Certainly could play second base. Um, Gary Ellen, he could play second or third. I'd imagine that you'd... Uh, but that, that that's a team that that makes a lot of sense. Lourdes Guriel Jr. I don't know as much about JJ but Radio. We've not been following him for the last for a decade,
0: 15 years. 10, 15 yeah, years. the first
1: article that I found that I wrote wrote about Uleski Guriel was from October of 2003. So <laughs> a long long time ago. Um Lourdes Jr., you know the this this is a very random comment. I guarantee this is the only place on the web where you'll hear this comment made you know what reading his report sounded like to me was Ryan Cordell of the Texas Rangers, <laughs> yeah. a much better version. But a, guy, but a who, guy who
0: the good news is is he plays a lot of positions. The bad news is I have no idea where he's going to play.
1: That's it. He plays left field for Industriales because his brother plays third base, and that's probably his best position. He's played, I think, the way Ben had it broken down in one season. He played 84% of the time in left field. 16% of the time was second, short, and third. So if you sign a Lord Escorial, which probably won't happen until October when he turns 23, and he's passed the bonus, polls, again, why would he bar the door? Why,
0: unless I mean, the only reason he wouldn't,
1: unless would, Lord Escorial is like uh, the brother, like the Samuel L. Jackson character in Jungle Fever, and is a little light. You know, he needs he needs some money to weigh him down. Otherwise, he needs to wait till October right. to get he, the really he, big. Payday. To explain to
0: someone who doesn't understand, like 23, he clears that bar, and then all of a sudden, you don't have to pay a penalty for exceeding he becomes essentially again like we're talking about with his older brother, like a major league free agent, talent. he yeah. becomes a major league free agent as opposed to oh you're going to go over to the signing bonus which you're going to go over to sign him probably well you're going to pay you're going to pay again yep. as much to mlb as a right. penalty and you can only do that if you have not already just the contrast the was pen, hector, if you're not in the penalty box already
1: hector olivera older 62.5 million dollars with a 28 million dollar signing bonus Yohan Moncada, Moncada cost the same amount of money, $63 dollars, but thirty-one and a half million to Moncada, thirty-one and a half million tax. So, you know, and by the way, why if again you're Correo, the difference?
0: And the difference there being, I, I think you, we could safely say, thirty teams out of thirty teams ago, go. Which would you rather have? I'd yeah. rather have Yohan Moncada.
1: Absolutely, no, absolutely. So, y- y- so Lord Escoria should Yoan wait. Even though
0: Yohan will take you two to three years before he's able to make that big league impact.
1: This is true as well. But I, I would have always had Yoan Moncada over yes. Hector Oliveira for me too. The way the, – and, and, you know, it's amazing to see Yoan Moncada and the adjustment time that he had in the South Atlantic League. Right. And that's a, but that's this a, is a that more is a, accomplished that player. That is
0: a, but that is a useful thing to remember.
1: I do think Gurriel, though – let's just put it this way. Hector Oliveira was compared to the other top players in Cuba. The 2006 feature I wrote on Uleski Gurriel compared him to Kendris Morales, who was seen as the best player in Cuba when he was there – and Omar Linares, who is seen as the best Cuban player ever. Those were his comps. So I just think I understand yes. the reason we're making these comparisons, to Hector Oliveira. He's,
0: he's is, better. He's, he's better. He's not he's, he's better. not better.
1: He's like two grades better. Right. Like on the I like
0: Adrian Beltray that you brought up earlier today. I like. the
1: thing is like I think it's latter career because he doesn't I don't know that he was ever the defender, Beltre. Is. It's are. kind of a cross between a Beltre and a Longoria. To me. So physically I think he's a little bit more of a long the rough thing to me is that, him.
0: and I've always think, felt like I've been a little item in that we've seen him play at what I feel like is at his top level, rather in, sporadically, correct? In bursts. In bursts, which makes it hard to kind of.
1: That's why it's crucial to defer to Ben's yeah. reports. On this. And this is why we defer to Ben on Hector Oliveira. Let's be honest. Last year and this year in the top 100, we've had our doubts about Hector yeah. Oliveira. And I don't, I, you know, I'm not, this isn't throwing him under the bus. This is just acknowledging that Ben watches so many Cuban games on the Internet and stores them and watches them. and store. I mean, like, he just has, I just imagine his Cuban baseball trove being similar to your Steelers game trove. V- probably similar, don't you think?
0: Yes, although I mean, he probably does not have a game from every year of his life.
1: No, I'm sure he which, doesn't. Which I finally
0: completed that. I now have. I got a 72 preseason game, and now I have a game from every year, every Steeler season of my life.
1: Small Super Bowl aside here, when I asked JJ if Von Miller had the best game, non Lawrence Taylor division. Of any outside linebacker. He instantly came up with, well, Jack Ham, 76. Oh, wait a minute. That was the FC Championship yes, game. Yes,
0: the FC Championship game, the Cowboys <laughs> game. He was good, but not at the same level. He had an interception 34 yards downfield. It that was, was insane. Instant. It, it was, was insane 34 yards down. What an and see, You, that you,
1: you uh, always talk about it, it being impressed by my memory, but you, this, your Steeler memory is. The thing about sick. this
0: is, my, my wife will say, like, wait, but you know, you know this. And you can't remember, like, you know, like you needed to get milk on the way home. And I'm like, yes, yes, but well, the that one, milk on the way home is not important. But one, of, yes, but one of them, I've been gathering in there for literally all my life since I was two. So, you know, so if you ask me, like, every now and then, you know when I was watching Super Bowl ten this week, because, you know, I do that, and, and I go, oh, wait, I forgot that that was number 41. Oh, yeah, okay, I can't remember. Well, Ben's
1: that. comps on Ulessi Guriel. Were Hanley, Hanley Ramirez, when he was good, mm-hmm. and David Wright, in terms of age and offensive performance, if he were to lose, leave Cuba to pursue before, uh, pursue but that a gives Italy you country. an idea. I mean, we are talking about a guy I mean, that was, right was last April, and that was before.
0: That's not. We're not talking about David. I can barely get the ball to first base, right? Wright. We're talking about the David Wright. He was we, referencing like a peak David Wright, right? Kind but of that gives you an idea. Again, this is why we're excited about this. Can you imagine if this kind of player, which is what he is, becomes available during the season?
1: It'd be a a frenzy. It'd be a frenzy for sure. I mean, again, because you can look at this different
0: ways. What happens if a team who's a contender... I mean, we're talking right now these fits. What happens if there's a significant injury?
1: Right. Oh, yeah. No,
0: absolutely. I I mean, mean, we're talking about teams like, well, they're not a fit, which... Could be in June or May. Then I mean, you're like, oh, that's absolutely a fit. They don't
1: have their third baseman. I mean, like we mentioned Arod earlier. Arod wasn't a fit for the Yankees. Then Aaron Boone got hurt. Then he was a fit. All of a sudden, um, here's a, here's the last part of the Gurriel's. because Lourdes Gurriel will be in probably more toward next year's top 100. But he does sound like a player who plays a lot of outfield, is athletic, not the offensive player his brother is, but a good offensive player, a good prospect. Number four on Ben's list of top Cuban players. So last time Ben did a list, since then, 1, 3, and 4, the two Goriel brothers and uh, Jose Fernandez all gone. Alfredo this is Espagne the story of this is,
0: this is Cuba, you know, Cuban baseball 2016.
1: But so, um, Lourdes Goriel says, so like, a, a, an, a very intriguing prospect, a guy who you'd like to try to sign and maybe try him in the infield as a 23-year-old. So last question, J.J., this is 2016. We have World Baseball Classic. Qualifiers are being announced currently. Uh, you had rosters come out for Australia, New Zealand, Philippines, and I forget who else is out there. <laughs> I think I know where
0: you're going with this, and I'm excited about where you're going. So,
1: so the classic 2006 fun. First one, fun event. People didn't quite know what to do with it, but it was interesting. We loved it. And the, and the uh, Asian population in Southern, in, in Southern California with the uh, Korea-Japan Cuba Korea final went bonkers for it. Daisuke Matsusaka, the hero, Japan wins. 2009, unparalleled, fantastic event. Aww. Prospects out the yin yang, gung Ho Park. I think was number nineteen that year. So he will be like, that's like, he's like the yes, tenth this guy. Is,
0: this is this I do believe. Peyton Manning won his 200th game. Uh, yes, you in know, Super Bowl yesterday. That is our 200 reference yes, to our World Baseball Classic that's 2009 right. top 20, which we love, we, we love,
1: and we will always love. It was a great, it was a great, uh, great time to be a baseball American. Um, mm-hmm. 2013 we were as jazzed as you could possibly be and, and it, that classic fell a little flat no, just,
0: no 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 it did. no it no 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 it was just different what was awesome about it was, was awesome bad. and what we needed what we needed was okay for one we had a different world baseball classic it wasn't just i'm sorry but i don't get ex- i i it's great that south korea has been good at but south korea this is just people catching up the fact that south korea plays really good baseball
1: this is true. A, when Italy
0: went deep, that's what the World Baseball Classic needed, though. Is that no? Well,
1: like, see, I think that pointed out the weakness of it for a lot of people—that their best Italian players were all Italian Americans. That's but, what made a lot see, of baseball they, fans not like the, see, that classic. See, but I for go. Me. I
0: see. I go the other way. Which, but the key thing—the key thing about that though—is is that you had the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. That was the best story. Playing for one,
1: and the Dutch getting to the final four, but. But for one,
0: clearly it
1: mattered. It definitely mattered, especially to the Dominican players. I mean, the Puerto Rican players, it was sheer force of will of Yadier Molina to get them to the final right. four, Right, But the Dominican final team, two. for
0: one, it was great to see a Dominican international team actually do something. Correct. Because I mean, you want to talk about punching below your weight over and over and over. In international baseball, the Dominican Republic right. is...
1: Effectively, and, see, and here's the and on the long story. <laughs> I, I don't know if I've articulated this before, but maybe that Dominican victory in 2013. I will say I, I do think it fell flat. With a lot of uh, other people, if it had had more prospects right. like the 2009, more guys who were going to impact the big leagues, I think it would have been a bigger deal in the United States. Maybe I'm wrong, but, well, but it, it, I, I think it, for that's the why U.S. For it to be
0: about. a big deal in the U.S., for what? At some point, the U.S. has to do something
1: in it, too. This is, this is true. And and, and that, it has never happened, really, so far. No, I mean, I guess, what, 2009, they made the Final Four? That's the only time they've even done that. Um, but that, uh, that Dominican team, by the fact that Dominican team won, this is one of the great fears of people in international baseball is that with Cuba uh, just as a country falling apart that Cuban baseball will lose out in this, and that this great institution of Cuban baseball, the way players are brought up in the game, they are taught the game, and become great baseball players, that that will be lost, and that they will become basically a colony of the United States baseball-wise, the way the Dominican is. But then the DR in 2013 winning a World Baseball Classic showed that those players could come back together and win a world championship and make the entire country proud. Maybe that actually is a a sign that Cuba can still be a baseball force even as it domestically becomes secondary to the major leagues. See,
0: here's where I thought you were going with this that I want to bring up, which is, is that we now have a very interesting question. Again, it's likely. You still have to say it's likely that Cuba says, there is, no, these, the Goriels can no longer... But this is
1: where them. I was headed. Oh, no, I'm headed toward, so 2017. But, they have,
0: but the thing about this is Cuba, I, Cuba has a choice to make. They I do. Think, I think Cuba is
1: for this choice. Does Cuba wanna win with a team that owns all Cubans but Cubans who have left the And island. by the way, and I'll say, because for one,
0: I think that you would have the buy in on that would be massive.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. No one would what you would have to have two Cuban teams. <laughs> right.
0: I mean it's gonna be like it's gonna be like, it's like, gonna gonna be like I mean it is going to be like wait, no, 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 no. I'm playing. No, no, I'm playing. You know, I mean I do think that there would be a significant... Because, again, you have to get out... You have to understand. To, I, I don't want to get political on this, but a lot of these players leaving, this is not what it was. This is not guys you know, from 20 years ago where it's like, I just got to get out of here. This is, I want a payday. Everyone else is getting a payday. But I want to be able to come home, too. I mean, this, Cuba's my country.
1: And that's it. They just let Jose Contreras go back. They let all these people... Brian Pena... This U.S. Goodwill tour that was there in November. This, to me, is a sign that the next World Baseball Classic team will be Cuban expats who are in the United States. That's, that's my, my What, my what really
0: gets is tricky is, is that there are some of these players who are not even expats.
1: Right. I mean, like an Alexi Ramirez, whose wife is what a Jamaican, Dominican. But, but also, family.
0: like, we are starting to see players who have been told, we don't understand why, but no, no, they have a passport that allows them to come to the States to play.
1: Uh, I don't know about those. What's that? Um, no, uh, <laughs> you're allowed to go to other countries. You're no, still no, allowed no, to no. make a living in the United States. You can travel, but you can't. You make have a to living. still. No, no It's you, American law. That keeps it's like American law. Here. But they have. But no,
0: uh, not all there is. Was, uh, was it Jose Fernandez? One of the players from last offseason has. We don't understand how but has a passport that allowed him. He didn't have to. He didn't have to do that second. He didn't step. quote
1: unquote defect.
0: Right, but. Again, the Goriels aren't really... Def- I mean, I know they... But they're not really defecting. I mean, this is... I want to play in the States. This is where the baseball is.
1: And... I the, think I'll still use that word, though. I think that, that they're... The fact they had to sneak out. Right. You know? But what I'm saying that's is... That's the definition. But let's me. just say, if they don't
0: do that, if they say, no, 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 if you've left, you can't play, that Cuban team will be... There will still be some talent there. But... It will not be a competitive.
1: Right. It will it, it, not it be a competitive
0: be, team. It will not be a competitive team. It will, be, it, it will be something that it would not be a shock if they were having to try to qualify for the next World Baseball Classic. I,
1: I mean, again, you, you'd be ta- it would be like having to make a, it would be like Venezuela or the Dominican used to be in like World Cups or the World Port Tournament or these kind of events where they don't have their major leaguers and they don't have their top minor leaguers. It'd be like a Cuban team now, just of players from Cuba, would basically be like, okay, this is Cuba's non forty-man roster team, mm-hmm. and you know the United States goes in a lot of international competitions with non forty-man roster teams, and they they're are always competitive. Two? No, they're always competitive. They're they don't, competitive. They don't win, but they don't. I was gonna say, Premier Twelve. They go and they <laughs> win a silver medal, and they go to the World Cups. When they won, they had they won when, when they had Pedro Alvarez and Justin Smoke and. Evan Longoria, Col- Colby Rasmus, and guys who are big-time prospects. Um, but when they have non-40-man roster players, they usually compete, compete well, don't always win. So what would a Cuba team look like, JJ? I, I mean, I guess Brian Pena is the Cuba catcher. He's no, it depends. Yasmani I mean, like Grandal is really more of a, I guess, uh, he's Cuban-American. No, but again. Do you, they, think, they, do you think they would, like, want, no, a we'll, Cuba, go, would they want a Cuban-American? That, 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 See, this is where it gets interesting. J.P.R. and C.B. I believe also born in Cuba, sort of a catcher.
0: I mean, like I, I assume because I because I, I've got Jose Fernandez pitching Game One for Cuba in this.
1: That's a good question. I would imagine that he would be the guy. Yes, he left Cuba at age fifteen. So I mean, by the way, allegedly.
0: But Jose Fernandez, I'm by, thinking, alleged, I'm, by allegedly, he means he's not sure. I idea. mean, allegedly fifteen. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but
1: I mean, so you're, you're 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 Jose Abreu, Yunel Escobar, Jose Iglesias, Jorge Soler. Obviously, uh, Cespedes is on this team. Puig is probably in this outfield. Yosemite um, Tomas
0: uh, is kicking around somewhere around here. Yeah, he, he's, he's,
1: he's in the mix. He might have to be a third baseman with Unel Escobar, the second baseman. I can't think of a pure Cuban second baseman um, <laughs> on this team. Ru- no room for Rusby Castillo on this uh, team. So who's your, who's your well, number right, but one no, second?
0: Yom Mankato is your second baseman.
1: Uh, he's, he's an A-ball. Yoan Next year, second, he'll be close to the big leagues. Yoan, but I, by
0: 2017, Johan i is your second it's base. Only,
1: it's only a year away. Yoan I, I, I follow you, but like Alexi Ramirez wouldn't be maybe be the shortstop. And oh, I'm saying there'd be I'm consideration, just saying, but Yohan Makata, if you're struggling for a second baseman, I'm giving
0: you Johan Makata.
1: Might just take Alexi. Alexi. was going to say,
0: and again, Hector Oliveira you know, is also could theoretically.
1: <laughs> That's right. Well, he he misses that. He loses out on DH to Kenneth Morales. Or Jose Fernandez, he'll hit for himself. He doesn't need a pitch hitter.
0: And then your pitching staff, you're talking about Jose Fernandez, you're talking about Rizal Iglesias, you're talking about...
1: That's that's, that's your easy top two. Um, I think my uh, fantasy lineup back in the day was Jose Fernandez and uh, Carlos Rodon as your top two. Oh, I said, by the way, Carlos Rodon again. He wasn't you, born in Cuba. He was born yeah. in Miami. But, so, he's, the, but by, by World by Baseball rules, Classic by rules,
0: rules, he'd be there, Chris yeah, yeah. but Hey, no, no, no. Chris Colabello actually... Like, born to Italian and lived in Italy, so...
1: Oh, he did live in Italy, Yes.
0: Right. His dad was playing in Italy, so... Um, I mean,
1: the Cuban pitching, though, is a little thinner. I mean, is. you're really looking at... Aroles
0: Chapman is, is your closer. I mean, there's no question on that.
1: Odris Samer, Despagne, Rowanis Just traded for... Right, to the Orioles. Yeah, Rowanis, Elias. These are the guys you're talking about. You'll be getting a lot of Cuban players who play, pitching-wise... Who play in Mexico, Mexican League, who pitch in Japan, who pitch in Korea, and there are oh, a few... Wait, wait, but also, line.
0: Yaziel Sierra, you know, some of the guys that... You I've... could,
1: but I don't think those guys throw enough strikes. I mean, again, this is not... The Cuban national team's not looking for Yohan Lopez. Right. They're looking for guys who throw strikes. To them, the guys like Yoslan Herrera, or you know, who was the guy who the nationals had? Uneski maya Udesky-Maya. That's what they're looking for. And a Cuban yeah, national team... maya
0: probably available and says I, I will... UNESCO
1: Maya is uh, He made the 59 big league innings Let's see where he pitched last I, I can almost promise you that he pitched in Mexico last year I think I, I, think I came across his stats uh, No, it was for Doosan The Doosan Bears in Korea So, I mean, th- this is the kind of This is why Cuba didn't stop dominating uh, international competition They've, Pitching just is not the same But the caliber of hitters is amazing
0: But one, the one thing that is a downside for Cuba Going with the U.S. players is that Cuba could dominate when it was the Cuban team, the Cuban national team? You didn't need a whole lot of pitchers. This is true. Whatever game, oh, this game matters. Okay. Jose Contreras, you're going to pitch
1: the semifinal.
0: Okay, a day later, you're going to pitch the final. <laughs> and, and Laza will come in for you. That's Pedro right. Laza will come in for you in the sixth today and the tomorrow. That's right. And the next day if need be.
1: Ooh, UNESCO Maya had an 817 ERA for the Doosan uh-huh. pairs last year. A little tough adjustment to create. Yikes. Yeah, um, it, it, it's an offensive league. In it Korea. Is. It's a very offensive league. Uh, point being that I I that's the one, that's the next Cuban thing I'm looking forward to the most. Would be if there's a Cuban expat team. That would be a pretty sick team next year, JJ. By the Potentially way. Potentially sick
0: team. I'm just going to stop for a second to say, before I do a little ad for her here, but before I do that, I just want to say if you're still with us here at the 53 minute mark, of we're the, barely still here. Of the geekiest World Baseball Classic Cuban Baseball discussion that we've had, of many that we've had, <laughs> many that we've had on this podcast over the years. Thank you. You are our kind of Baseball America reader and listener. I was trying to wrap up with the whole
1: expat team. Well,
0: I think it's a good way to wrap but, up. But, but yes. I also do want to remind you that, you know, we we're talking about the top 100. We also have the Baseball America Prospect Handbook. It's out. If you want it, you call up. You, you give the number because you're always better at giving the number. 800-845-2726. Or go to BaseballAmerica.com slash store. You order it. Ronnie McCabe will we have his tape gun. He will ship it out to you right away.
1: If not him, CJ McFadder will help. Yep. But the, we, we definitely, uh, the sound of commerce is the tape gun for Ronnie. Um, taping up orders or the label maker printing out labels. Those but are, those are good sounds it, for us. You get
0: the full you know scouting reports on 900 guys. You order it from us. It's actually 930. Actually, it's 940. 950,
1: I think, actually, with the appendix because with the we, Latin American players. Although we
0: did not put Goriel in there because we just ben never imagined
1: just he was going to... That's it. Ben did not think there was any way that he would uh, that he would go. But... We actually,
0: that's one thing that we will have to do is, is, like, what is Goriel's BA grade? I would say that he is probably a 55 low.
1: You know, see, I think he's more like a 60 medium or maybe even a 65 medium. I just think his ceiling is higher than that, even though he's that age... I would say that the that, that, that age makes us risk higher, and we are talking about the adjustment to big league pitching. I can say 60 meters. The best players have gone, have had that easy adjustment. I, I thought Hector Oliveira would be one of those players who would make an easier adjustment. I thought that he would have to probably do it at first base. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, he'll play first base. I just didn't know why the Dodgers were the team that signed him.
0: And I do think that slowed him down a little bit, partly from because like there was literally Where they nowhere – that's it. They did. He had a hamstring problem, but also there was no pressure to like let's rush him back because right. You, well, we, we have too many of these guys right now. I mean, he couldn't play shortstop, and that was what they needed.
1: One day, uh, late night over uh, at the winter meetings, I uh, will have to have Andrew Friedman take his dip out, spit it out in the cup, and then explain to me what was the deal when that's t- when that tale can be told. I'm not sure when that'll be. Uh, maybe it'll be Alex Anthopoulos. Maybe it'll be one of the other. Many GMs or XGMs uh, in Los Angeles front office. Uh, I know Alex wasn't A wasn't there when they made that deal. But explain to me how, why you guys gave Oliveira all that money and then traded him within three months. It's a very strange but again saga. It's just money, and with the Dodgers
0: right now, money is just money. I mean, it really is. This part, part of it comes down to is is that talent is limited, and in the Dodgers' case, money is somewhat unlimited. So. If given the choice, they really just come back to it over and over. It seems like, okay, we'll just acquire the chat We're, we're going to acquire the talent.
1: And that's what they've done. And uh, so the the absolutely, the uh, handbook is out. The almanac is out. Directory went to press the other day. It's another Baseball America book you can order. And uh, now we're working on uh, Super Register, and then book season's over, and on to the regular season. I prefer the regular season to book season.
0: Prospect season also is, uh, we're, we'll be wrapping up soon?
1: Drawing to a close, really, the top 100 is pretty much the end of prospect
0: season. Top 100 or talent rankings and uh, updated top 10s. And at that point, really, when spring training starts, prospect, prospect season's over. I'm yes. sorry. When spring training starts, that's why we try to have it, we, we have it all done. Because when spring training starts, we are now playing 2016.
1: That's a different time. I agree, and uh, definitely an advantage of doing it the, the way we do it. So, looking forward to having it all wrapped up. Looking forward to Friday's show. JJ, thanks for geeking out on the podcast for JJ Cooper. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you Friday night at nine o'clock Eastern Time on MLB Network, and we'll see you back here at Baseball America for the next Baseball America uh, for the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.